December 15th, 2021. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin, five lines from the top. If you recall, the Gemara that we left off with yesterday was dealing with the source or sources for um, taking or taking the person who's Hayav Skila outside of the three Mahanot and only then finding the Bet Sekila in order to execute his death punishment of Sekila. The Beraita that we saw had Derasha uh, from Gezer Ashava from Parim Hanisrafim. Rav Papa, who followed the Beraita, told us that he had a different Derasha. It was a little bit more simple. It said, Jose Tamekalel el Mechutzla Mahane. Pasuk was referring to God speaking to Moshe and telling him, Take the Mekalel. And the first stage was, well, where is Moshe? Moshe is not in the Mahane Shekhinah. Moshe is in the Mahane Leviyah. There's a mention in the Pasuk of Motze. It means we're getting out of Mahane Leviyah. Then the Pasuk afterwards has that Lashon again of Vayosiu, another Hotza'ah, which means there were two Hotza'ot, two removals from specific Mahanot. You began in Mahane Leviyah. Says Rav Papa, if you started in orbit number two, and I told you twice to go out, yeah, out of number three as well. That was his derasha. And then the Gemara, in finishing and understanding, fleshing out his understanding, said, well, he has this derasha from the, uh, the superfluous wording of the Torah, that the Torah says first that they listened at, to what Moshe, to what was instructed by God. And then the pasuk again, in the same pasuk says, that they listened and executed it. And the Gemara said, well, what are you learning from the specific words in that last pasuk, which for you is all redundant? And specific for us, the Gemara said that the words even or the word aven in that pasuk was nidrash for the following. He understood the unnecessary mention of aven, vayirgimu oto aven, to teach that if one stone, an initial stone, was thrown at the person who's hayav mita, hayav sekila, and he dies from that, chalas, you're finished. You don't need to send more, you don't need to throw many stones at that person. Says the Gemara, but wait a second. Uh, elsewhere in the Torah, not in Sefer Vayikra, in Sefer Bimidbar, at the end of Parashat Shelach, the Torah tells about another sinner. What's that? Just with one. Chalas. No, you can go the other way. If you miss with one, leave him. That's exactly where we're going right now, Nathan. Hold that thought. Uh, elsewhere in the Torah, by, uh, by the Mekoshesh Etzim, the end of Parashat Shelach, the Torah tells this enigmatic story about a person who was gathering trees. That's the way, well, there are different interpretations as to exactly what he was doing, but he was doing something that was Asur on Shabbat, probably what's known as Melechet Me'amir. He was gathering trees or gathering wood outside, uh, um, well, not in the field, in the desert on Shabbat. And the death penalty, Moshe is instructed by God, is Sekilah. That's the Mekoshesh Etzim. In that context, the Torah doesn't use the word aven in the singular as it did by the megadef, the circumstance we were dealing with beforehand, the person who cursed out God, the person who blasphemed. Over there, the Torah uses it in plural. It says avanim. You're going to stone him with stones, with rocks. Well, why is it so? I thought you told me you could mention just one, and it teaches me if you just threw one at him and killed him, chalas, says the Gemara, and it's necessary for the Torah, it was necessary for the first time it describes a stoning, uh, to use it in the singular, and it was necessary for the Torah afterward, in the second occurrence of the Mekoshesh Etzim, which according to the Chachamim, chronologically actually took place earlier, but either way, over there the Torah mentions it in plural. 
rocks, stones. Why is it so? What are we learning from each? Nathan already told us. The Ikatav Rahmana Aven, if the Torah had mentioned in both circumstances of where someone was put to death by Sekila and the Midbar, just in the singular Aven, Hava Aminai would have thought to say, If he didn't die from an initial throwing of one stone, I would say, lo nete hava amina, I would have thought to say, I would have said, nete lo nete, we will not bring a hariti, a of course means other, other stones, umiktele, to kill him. We would not, we would leave him. If you missed with one, we would have thought, Chalas, that's it. He's off the hook. Lucky guy. We only throw one rock. If you missed or he didn't die from one rock, he's off the hook. It's for that reason, says the Gemara. Katav Rahmana Avanim. The Torah says Avanim. If you missed or he didn't die from an initial rock, you throw many more rocks at him. So then just write Avanim, of course, is the counter argument. Both times. If the Torah had only said Avanim, Hava Amina Me'ikara, I would have said Me'ikara means initially, Ikar, initially. Nayete, we would bring Tarte. We would bring just, we, if the Torah had mentioned Avanim, I would have thought we start with, quote unquote, two rocks. In other words, many rocks. You don't start with one rock. You throw all the rocks at once. It's for that reason that the Torah mentions it initially in, in, in Parashat Emor as Avin, which means to say when all the dust settles on this derasha, it goes like this. The Torah mentions once Avin, the other time it says Avanim, two cases of Sekila. Each one of them teaches me a different halacha in the context of these laws of Sekila. Number one, Avin teaches me you start with just one rock. If you killed him with one rock, finished. No necessity to send more. What's that? I, why would you throw more? Why would you? Do you really want to decimate him? Do you really need to flatten him? No, no. Do you really need to flatten him? If you killed him with one, you could have thought. I mean, there are further ramifications as well because. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking. I'm thinking out loud with you. Um, the way the Torah s- describes uh, Sekila, and we'll talk about this in just a moment as well. In the Torah, is that the entire assembly who were present, who were going to be involved, put their hands on his head. They do a semicha, which almost is, uh, you know, reminiscent of like the Igla Arufa time. You put your hand on the head and you say, "We're not responsible. This you did to yourself." Uh, furthermore, the Torah says everybody was at the end of Parashat Shelah. Everybody was th- to throw rocks, which is an amazing scene. You know, the entirety of the nation were supposed to throw rocks. Says Rashi over there, one person could represent all the others. The reason I'm mentioning all of this to you is, to, is, is for the following thought. You could have thought to say that since this is a congregational mandate, uh, we're supposed to all do this. Maybe there's a hova that we all take a rock and throw it. It's our responsibility to deal with the security and the, the halakha being followed by everyone. That's the hidush. It's not so much about decimating, it's more about is that your responsibility? Yes, it is your responsibility to make sure that everyone's following it right, rightfully so. Do you therefore need to throw your own rock? The hidush is no. All right, that's something along those lines. Says the Gemara, Veha. Haitana Ne'emar Ka'amar asks the Gemara, wait a second, this I told you was coming. We have a Tana, we had a Beraita, which quoted Pesukim by Parim Hanisrafim. No, it feels like a long time ago, but the Gemara quoted a Beraita. For this law of how do you know you have to go out of the three Mahanot in order to find the Bet Sekilah and do the Sekilah there, we had Ne'emar, we had Pesukim. The Torah mentions in two places, Mechutz Mahane, by the Parim Hanisrafim and by Sekilah. That was a Beraita. 
when a Beraita makes a statement, Beraita Milashon Bar means outside. It's not the Mishnah, it's the supplementary uh, uh, documents to the Mishnah. So when the Beraita, back to the time of the Mishnah, several hundred years before Rav Papa found the sourcing for this Rav Papa, you're, beating a, you're, you're dealing with matters that don't need to be dealt with any longer. We already found sourcing for this. Again, the example I gave you in the past, I'll repeat in different terminology. If you got the sourcing for something, why are you spending time finding another source? Spend your time and understand how to apply it differently. Uh, we don't. Do you, do you need to dispute the sourcing of the Beraita? It's, it's, it's one thing if, if you're contemporary, Papa, you're disagreeing with someone in your generation. Several hundred years beforehand, they established, based on tradition, the sourcing for this. The Hatana Neemar Kaamar, the Tana, the author of the Beraita, Neemar. He uses the words Neemar, or the word Kaamar. That's what he said. He said it says it in the Torah. His understanding was Gezerah Shava. That the Torah mentions the same words in two places. Rav Papa, why are you looking for other sourcing? And the Gemara doesn't give a great answer to this question. The Gemara says, Ilu lo ne'emar ka'amar, ve'hache ka'amar. Ilu lo ne'emar kera, ha'iti omer gezerah shava. Achshav she'ne'emar kera, gezerah shava lo sarif. The Gemara suggests the following for Rav Papa. It's a little bit uh, out of the norm. This, this, uh, not, not such an ordinary uh, answer or give and take in the Gemara. Rav Papa would respond the following. The Beraita is in theory, which means to say the Beraita has a fancy derasha, which we spent a lot of time trying to understand. There's a Gezerah Shava, which brings us into Pariman Israfim, which brought us to Parkoen Mashiach, which brought us to Paralem Davash Sibur, which brought us to Ramat Adesh. All those things were in theory. Had you not had the derasha that I have, says Rav Papa, had you not realized and paid careful attention to the fact that the Torah says, Hotza'ah, twice, it says take him out of this mahane and then take him out of that mahane, so then you would have had your fancy interpretations, which means to say he's arguing that the earlier text was an unnecessary text. The Biraita, the sourcing in the Biraita was unnecessary because if you had my derasha, which they did, they knew it better than me, says Rav Papa, I didn't really need their whole fancy gezer ashava. Again, more than anything, the Gemara leaves us as a question. But it's not even. He's saying they agree with me. So then why did the Biraita do it? In theory, if they didn't have me, then they would have said like that. But they didn't have you, did they? Because they didn't say like you. Says the Gemara, Ravashe Amar. Lastly, on, on this discussion, we conclude it with one last opinion. Ravashe and Ravina, of course, are from the end of the Emoraim. They're attributed with the final editing, uh, editorial work done on the Mishnah. So Ravina will oftentimes, or Ravashe, will be mentioned at the end of a discussion. Ravashe says, Rav Papa, you had your derasha, Beraita, you had your derasha. I'm going to close this off with my own derasha, again, searching for a source that the Beta Sekila should be outside of the three Mahanot. Amar Moshe, says Ravashe, excuse me, Ravashe, Amar Moshe, Hecha Havayativ. Where was, same question that Rav Papa began with, where is Moshe hanging out, Yativ Yoshev. Where is he dwelling? Of course, we know the answer. But Mahane Livia, Moshe lives amongst his tribe. Livia, Levim. That's the second orbit in the in the in the structure of the encampments in the Midbar. Rahmana and God, the Midatarahamim, God spoke to him and told him, says God to him. Those words in and of themselves, those first three words are telling you, Moshe, take the Mekalel out. 
That's it. Take him out. What does that mean already? Take him out of? Livia. Why Livia? That's where you are. So I turn to you, Morris, and I say, take your cup out. So it means out of this room. Already. But then the words right afterwards say, el mihutz mahane. So we're kind of splitting the pasuk into two. Splitting the sentence into two. Morris, take your cup out. Get it out of the synagogue. There's two stages over there. Even though it reads as one, it's to be read as two. Hotze etamekalel. Pause. Out of where? Out of Mahane Livia, where you're situated, Moshe. El mihutz mahane is almost finishing it off and giving me a second statement. Make sure you get him out of the Mahane. Which Mahane? The Mahane that you took him out into, which is the Mahane Yisrael. That's his derasha. So again, it goes like this. Says Rav you read it like this. The initial words tell you, take it out of the place where you're in camp. That's Mahane Leviyah. The next words, those teach me, that's the statement of Rav Asher. That's how he derives that the Sekilah was to be done outside of the three Mahanot. It's, it's unneeded. Once I told you, get that cup out, Morris. I got that cup out. It's out of this room. Where do you think he's hanging out? That's, these, these, but these are God's words to Moshe. They vayanihu bamishmar. This person who was Mekalel was left in a cellar, a prison of some sort. Our assumption is, you're right, it's an assumption, that he's together with Moshe because the command to Moshe then is take him out. We assume take him out of where you are. We're imagining him being together with him over there. That's always a lot of That, that was the question. I mean, more, more than that, really, that's the question we asked on Rav Papa. We said, Rav Papa, how come the Beraita didn't say like you? And his answer? Oh, it would have. I, I don't know. Okay, maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's the point. Maybe the Beraita would argue, I mean, almost contrary to the words of the Gemara, that who said that the Mikalil is in the Mahane Livia. That's how you answer. Well, obviously, they're using the free. Right. What percentage the percentage? Sure. I mean, with the leader? That, that's the assumption, clearly. The jail is in the, jail is in the encampment of the Levim. That, that's the assumption. No, no, we don't know. So, Jeffrey, to your point, that's what Judah's arguing. The reason the Beraita didn't come from any of these sources he's suggesting is because maybe it's assuming that the jail was outside, and as a result, all you're reading is. A little bit off, in other words. Uh, Where was the Sanhedrin in the, in the uh, Mahane? Next to Oil Moed. Next to Oil Moed in the first. Well, that's in the first, yeah. In the so, first order. Okay, so then if but, you move out twice, you never get outside. You're not getting out of the third. That's why, you're right, it's, it's somewhat of a stretch. That's why they're assuming that the statement, okay, alternatively it goes like this. God's speaking to Moshe, and he's saying, take the guy out. And the assumption is, take him out with you from where you are. All right. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I get the problem. So it goes. It says, they brought him to Moshe. Afterwards, the Pasuk says, 
The assumption is that's with Moshe. That's the question. All right, says the Gemara over here. Uh, onward, the Pasuk says afterwards. I mean, we need to flesh out the end of the Pesukim according to Ravashi. Vayosi uh, What are you going to do with those words? Uh, or earlier, Rav Papa had, that was part of his derasha. You had twice the Pesukim said, Vayosiu, Hotze, and Vayosiu. Over here, the question is, Ravashi, you're not making a derasha over that last word. You had it just from the initial words. Hotze, Tamekalel. Pause. What do you do with the next words? That's just to tell you. And they actually executed what they were told to do. Ask the Gemara. Already it says explicitly in the Pasuk that they followed suit. They did what they were supposed to do. It says. Answers answers Ravashe, this was to teach you that, although not explicitly stated that they followed the full command of God, they didn't just take this individual and push him off and kill him, they also did what was called semicha. Semicha is they all put their hands on him, that's what I was mentioning to you earlier, Abi. In other words, the pasuk is uh, extra words over here, ribui, to tell you they did everything they were commanded, and we're not going to explicate exactly what that was, we're just going to repeat to you that they did exactly as they were told, which tells you they did everything they were told, not only the killing, not only the pushing, but even the semicha, resting their hands on him and saying to him, this is your sin and you're responsible for this. Says the Gemara in its final lines over here on this issue, Turn the, the Hachamim to Ravashe. They're studying together. Ravashe has this novelty. Says Ravashe, I figured it out. I'll tell you the source that it's outside of the three camps. It's from the fact that the Pasuk says, Pause. Pause. That was already a reference to two. That's two, th- two removals. Wait a second, Ravashe. Is that the way you read it? Do you really read? You don't. You can't read that as one statement again. Morris, get your cup out of the synagogue. Two separate statements. Really. So that means that every time the Torah uses those words, Hotze and Mechutz Lamachane, it's a reference to removal from two. That's how we're being doresh. If you recall, I know not too long ago, but it feels like we had by the Parim Anisrafim three times. The Torah said, which means that every single one of those should be, according to you, Ravashe, a reference to two removals. If it's two removals times three, it means you're removing it six times out. Really, where are you taking this? These parimani srafim? Are you taking back into Egypt? I mean, taking them into media? What would it possibly mean if you're reading it so literally or so beyond the literal interpretation? means every time you say it's a reference to two, and it said it three times over there. How are you going to explain all of these quote unquote hotzi? Uh, it says the word hotzi in the context of parimah nisrafim. My darashta, but you have a separate darasha for each one of those. Answers the gemara kashia. Kashia means we leave it as a question. What does it mean? We leave it as a question. And so you didn't have a sufficient answer. It's not teku. When the gemara gives teku or tiufta, generally speaking, we assume they couldn't come up with an answer. Kashia. Rashi writes on Dafayin Bet, it's mentioned by Ramban Nachmani in the name of the Geonim. Kashya, generally speaking, we assume means they had an answer, but they didn't think it was a good enough answer. It's always exciting to figure out, well, if it's Kashya and it's not Teku, then there must be some answer. Let's try to figure out what the answer was and why they didn't say it. You have a lot of intellectual fun doing so, exercises, doing so. Pushed into, from a higher place or 
Yes, we'll see. We'll see that in the Mishnah. Uh, you know, I, uh, he could have, but generally speaking, not. It wasn't that high, I guess. And and you know, all right, it wasn't a si'ila azazil. Okay, if you recall, it said further in the in the Mishnah. The Mishnah said ehad omed vechule. Next to the Betin, there was one person standing with sudarim. We imagine that as flags of sorts, right? And the reason he was doing so was if anyone who was left behind in the Betin jumps up and says, I have a reason to be melamed zechut. I have a reason. This person who was nidon skila, I can now figure out a reason why it was a wrong judgment. They would raise up those flags and there was a man standing, sitting on a horse a far distance away, but close enough to be able to see those flags. He would then rush on that horse to catch the, uh, the, the nidon, the person who was now about to be stoned, and they'd bring him back. They had a whole process, a whole situation set in place so that if there was any potential to save this person's life if there was anything that we could do to figure out a way even after the final verdict was was fat, was met to bring him back says the Gemara Amar Rav Huna Rav Huna had the following saying Peshitali the following is clear to me and what the issue that we're going to address very briefly over here in the Gemara is who was to pay for any and all of the utensils that were used uh, when we executed a person, when we put someone to death, who paid for all those things? Because the halakha was, and we'll see this later on in the Mishnah, uh, they were buried together with the person who was put to death. We would take all those things and throw them in together with him. Which means to say he then had to buy new ones. And uh, what sort of matters am I talking about? I'm talking about the sudar with which you would strangle the person, um, the, the fire starter with which you'd burn the person, the stones or the structure with which you'd have to... And now, furthermore, the sudar, that, uh, that flag, which we're going to throw in together with him when he's ultimately buried, and the horseman. I don't think we're going to throw the horse in, but we have to hire the horseman. Maybe we need to buy a horse. Where did all that come from? Who'd we charge? Who got the bill on that? I mean, I know, it's a little bit of a gory thought. It's almost like, you know, people have in the past asked me, unfortunately, after a passing, well, how do we deal with the uh, burial and the burials in, in, in 67th Street and burial in Staten Island? Who do we pay? And my answer always is, oh, you got to speak to someone. I don't deal with any of those sorts of issues. Never thought about it, never will. I, I grew out of that. Now I know the answer to all that. Amar avuna peshitali, ehad evan sheniskalba, vehad etz shenitlabo, the stone, the rocks with which you were throwing at, him, and then the etz, the tree on which he was afterward hung or hanged, you would place the person on a tree afterwards. Now, as a mahlokit later on, did we put everyone who was put to death on a tree afterwards, or was it only two specific people? Irrespective, the Torah does talk about make certain that you don't hang that person for a long period of time, but we did hang, and you needed to structure the tree appropriately. They had saif shneheragbo, if the person was hayav herig, you needed to behead him, so there was a particular. Um, knife which was used. They had sudar shenechnakbo, and that's that uh, that uh, garment which is used in order to strangulate the person. Kulan, who paid for all of these items? Michel Sibur. Those were certainly coming from the congregation. We raised money, it was part of your tax money, whatever it was, we had the money from the congregation to pay for those items, and then again we threw those items in to be buried. My ta'ama, why did it come? Why is Serefa left out? So Tosafot on the left hand side, the second one, Peshitai had Evin, in Serefa really you were just dropping some lead, uh, some boiled lead down his throat. Uh, now clearly you're not throwing, 
Clearly, you're not throwing that into the grave with him, you know, into the grave with him. It's already in his body. This statement, says Tosafot, is after that beraita. That beraita will, will mention, you throw all the things in with him. And then this statement was, by the way, you want to know who was to purchase all those things? Oh, we purchased all those things. For that reason, since there wasn't any mention in throwing those into the grave with him, that's the reason we don't mention. But it says Tosafot, certainly, whatever it was, the, the lead and the fire which was used to kill him in Serefa was also Michel Sibor. Says the Gemara, Maita'ama, what's the reason that he didn't have to pay for those matters, but rather we did? Uh, maybe it's his responsibility. It's a little too gory, it's a little too inappropriate to say to him, means from him, we don't say to him, go and bring and kill yourself. Uh, a little too much. What's that? If he wants to, the halakha is, the Gemara will say it explicitly, if he wants to do it on his own, he's allowed to bring it on his own. But we don't force him to bring it on his own because it's a little inappropriate. We don't want the vision and the optics to be that he's killing himself. We want to say, we're doing this and we're not, we're not making you responsible for the killing of yourself. Says the Gemara, okay, that all being the case, that was Peshita. All the instruments with which we killed him, come Michel Sibur. What about the instruments with which you might save him? The flag, the horse, who pays for those? Maybe he has to pay for those. Because ultimately speaking, those will be instruments, those will be ways to save his life. Says the Gemara, Ba'iravuna, Sudar, the flag, Sheminifimbo, Vesus, Sheras, Umamida. What's that? Those are one time things. All of this is one time stuff. They're for multiple people, no? The flags? It's a great question. It's a great question. I, I, I don't know the answer. My assumption was the flags got thrown in with him as well. But he didn't get saved. Okay. So in so other words, your, your, argument will be, your argument will be that since it is reusable, so therefore what? So therefore, and, and it's not being thrown in with him, so then it was bought once and we're always going to use it. The assumption for one reason or, the assumption for some reason or another is that we're not, that this is something that's well, being yeah, redone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each time. Work with guy a, guy B's, listen, I don't want those, I want a different one. No, but if the guy got taken, you're bringing the flag home and putting it in the house. You're showcasing. Says the Gemara, Michel Mi. Who was to pay for those? On the one hand, on the one hand, since it's coming to save him, those instruments would be his saving grace. It should come from him. We're going to tell him the matters which we're going to use to kill you. You don't pay for those. But if it's to save you, you got to pay for those. Or maybe, since it's an obligation on Bedin, to save lives, the Chachamim Adoresh is from Pasuk Vehisilu Ha'eda. We've seen it many times in the past in Masechet Sanhedrin, Masechet Makot. I quote these Pesukim a lot. That those words a lot. Vehisilu Ha'eda means the first thing you need to do as a Beit Din is to search for a way to save lives. Well, if that's your responsibility of Beit Din, it's true. It's to save his life, so he should have to pay for it. But it's your responsibility. As a result, Mididhu, it would um, it would stand to reason that it should come from you. Uh, meaning from the Betin, from them. Okay, so that's left as a question for now. Uh, now the Gemara continues. Vetu, what about Vetu means and more. Ve'od. Hada amar bichyabaravashe, amar abhasta, hayose lehareg, mashkinoto korat, shel levana, bekoshel yain, kedeshe titaref da'ato, shene emar, tenu shekhala oved v'yain lamare nafesh, vetanya nashimikarot shebi yushalam hayu mitna devot m'viototan. 
לא התנדבו נשים יקרות משל מי? Furthermore, I'm going to break down the words for you in just a moment, but it goes like this. As a person was about to be executed, we would take wine. We would put into it a little bit of a potion known as korat, that's the measurement of livona. We would put it in, literally means so that he'd go crazy. Uh, alternatively, as Rashi explains, it's to blunt his emotions a bit. Why do we want his emotions blunted a little bit? Because we don't want him struggling to stay alive. If we're going to be throwing these rocks on him, we want his emotions we want his mental capacities to be a little bit down so he kind of just lets go quickly and doesn't live a long suffering Korach style death. Well, that being the case where did all of that come from? Who was to pay for that? Now let me break down exactly what it says in it before we read that again, before we get to the answer. So one more time. Vitu and furthermore the name of the rabbis who stated this. A person who's on his way to being put to death. Any of the Arba Mitot Betin. Mashkinoto to drink, we make him drink. Korat she levona. Korat is a measurement, a small measurement. Levona is a specific potion which would uh, blunt his emotions and his mental capacities. Bekoshelyain, together with wine. Kedeshe titaref da'ato, so that quote, he would go crazy, so that he wouldn't be thinking cogently. Shene emar, interestingly, they cite from Pasuk in. Uh, simply translated as give beer for Oved, the person who's a little bit lost, and give wine for Marinafish for those who are uh, sad and depressed at soul. Of course, the Pasuk in particular and specific context means when you're sad, when you're depressed, get drunk. Um, no, but, uh, something along those lines. But for our purposes, it means, well, here's the person. He's a little bit all hung up on his uh, verdict, on his outcome, and what he's on his way to. We don't want him that stuck on it because we want it to be a swift death. And as a result, we have derasha from this vitanya. And furthermore, in determining how we were to procure and to, to secure the wine and the levona, nashim yekarot shebirushalayim, there were very precious and unique women in Jerusalem who classically they would be the ones, it was their responsibility, self-placed responsibility, to bring the uh, blunting device. They would be the ones who would bring the wine and bring, again, as, as Gabe mentioned the day or two ago, this didn't happen all that often, but again, somehow they had Nashim Yekarot. This was their responsibility. Nashim Yekarot. I'll tell you what Nashim Yekarot sounds to me like. Nashim Yekarot, I lived in Yerushalayim for four years. I remember I lived next to... <laughs> We lived in a, when I was first married, we lived in this three-family uh, home, and we lived on the bottom floor, and then there was an American couple on top, and then the owners were on the top floor. And the woman, my wife always used to say she was the kote lady, you know, on the way down the steps to the kote. That's who she was, but mamash, always reading Tehillim and all that sort of stuff. She's Nashim Yekarot Shalom. She's the type of person who, like, she would take this as her responsibility to make certain that when people are putting, being put to death, she shows up on the scene and has the one. And it's the only way I envision this. Otherwise, what are you dealing with? What, why do they take that as a, as a happy and important responsibility? Anyway, so, anyways, what if uh, she's off duty that day? What if she's away and uh, we don't have the wine, we don't have the libona? Where would we get that from? Who would pay for the yayin and the libona? Now keep in mind over here, this is in order to aid and to ease the death, right? 
So in other words, it's not the way we're putting him to death, it's easing the death. So you have the same type of question. Is this the Beit Din's responsibility or is it his responsibility? Similar to the Hatzalah. Says the Gemara, Havadar. What's that? We didn't answer it initially. And the question is if we're going to answer it at all. You'll see in just a second. Havadar mistabera Michel Sibur. Over here, says the Gemara, certainly it seems clear to me, to us, that it's Michel Sibur. This would come from the people, from the congregation, from the Beit Din. Dichtiv, after all, the Pasuk says, Tenu. Give. In other words, when the person is mare nafesh, when the person is oved, when the person is downtrodden, depressed, when the person is on his way to the gallows, you give to him or to her, which means that it's coming from others. It's a little literal in a pasuk, which clearly in context has nothing to do with this. More than anything, I think the understanding over here is this is very closely associated with death. We're not going to make this on the person. Mididhu, period, it would come from them. And the Gemara never answers the initial question. The initial question was the sudarin and the sus, the flag and the horse. Who paid for those? The Gemara never answers. Yad Ramah has two ways of reading this. Yad Ramah would be Meir Abu Lafia, one of the great Spanish medieval rabbis. He says either this set, the second case where uh, we would give the wine and the Koracha Levona is answering both of them. And it's saying even when you're looking to ease, even when you're looking to save, everything's the responsibility of the Beit Din. Alternatively, it's a little bit different. Over here, it's connected closely to death. You're actually putting them to death. And the earlier one, we weren't able to resolve it and we don't have an answer to it. Okay, let's just... Uh, conclude over here with a quick question of the Gemara and we'll continue with it tomorrow. So Rav Barhuna has the following question which he posed to Rav Sheshat, excuse me, which he was asked from, she asked to Rav Sheshat. Amar ehad min ha-talmidin yeshli lelamed alav zechut v'nishtatek mahu. If one of the Talmidim, when you were in Beit Din, uh, weren't only judges and witnesses and evidence, there were also students. And we talked about the structure earlier in the Masechet, where you actually had rows for students, and the students would weigh in at specific points, and we would sometimes even take a student and place him as part of the tribunal if he had something positive and important to add. Well, what if, as we're marching this individual to death, and as we said, people stayed behind in the Beit Din, one of those students speaks up and says, I have something that will prove his innocence and then he becomes muted which means say he loses his voice or uh, alternatively he drops dead uh, it's a little bit of a far-fetched case but that's the circumstance what's the halakha in such a situation in other words will we return the person and say well if he had something to say we should reopen the case there must be something else that we're missing the guy can't speak anymore he can't think any longer he might not be alive any longer or alternatively well if we don't have solid evidence we're wasting our time reopening this case the gemara quickly what's that the Gemara quickly responds, which means that means to blow. To blow with your hand means to do this. He waved with his hand, which means, give me a break, that's your question? Uh, really? Rav Sheshat, one like that. Once you ask the question, if the guy dropped dead, if the guy became muted, do we return the case? Oh, come on! Now you're going to tell me, well, there must be someone in China, there must be someone in India who might have something to teach over here. We're never going to execute a person because we're always going to be doubting. There is something else to be added. Says the Gemara, no, this is a more serious question, Rav Sheshat. No. Hatam, look, Amar. Over there, you have the person in India the person in China, so far, 
they didn't say anything. Over here, it's a bit different. Over here, said, My, what is the halacha in such a circumstance? Would we return the case since he said he had something, but he's not able to now fill out his statement because he became mute, he can't talk any longer, maybe he passed away? That's the question which we'll begin with tomorrow. Amen, amen.